Okay, we're back at A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're venturing through the book of Exodus, chapter 28 today. And uh, chapter 27, getting back on track, was uh, the design of the, uh, of the courtyards of the tabernacle that God had given to Moses. And last week's chapter was shorter. This one's going to be a little longer. And so instead of... Um, Instead of going over uh, some backtracking, if you will, from 27, it was, again, it, w- it was pretty much pretty self-explanatory in regards to the courtyard of the tabernacle and, per- and the care of the lampstands within, uh, within the inner part of the tabernacle, uh, which was very interesting. But now we're going to be going into the next section, and uh, we're going to be doing a little more reading today. And But it's going to be in regards to, well, garments. It's going to be in regards to the clothing of what the priests were wearing. You know, some people say that, uh, we have a saying here that they, whether people like it or, or, or they agree with it or not, but, they, you know, they say that the, the clothes makes the man. Yeah, some will say that people are dressed for success. And in this case, we're not looking at clothes making the man, sort of say, or necessarily dressing for success, but we're dressing, uh, we're addressing the dressing of, of holiness. Okay, and we're also uh, addressing the the dressing for that of of uh, who the priests were and what they were to wear. It was interesting, you know. Again, looking at God and his and his designs of everything. God was an interior designer. He was a he was a landscaper. And now we're seeing that he's a fashion designer as well in some way, shape, or form. So we're in chapter twenty-eight of Exodus. If you have a Bible with you, let's go ahead and uh, carry on and take a look here. Exodus chapter twenty-eight. Now, it starts off in verses uh, 1 through 4 in regards to the garments for the priesthood. It says, Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him uh, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as a priest. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nabad, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as a priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an epod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash, so they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that they may minister to me as a priest. So real quick, we have God instructing on the garments or clothing of the priesthood, the garments. And, and looking at this was the, the, the garments were of the same uh, designer look as the tabernacle. So it was to match in, the, in, the, in what the design of the tabernacle was. But we're, what we're seeing here is God instructing everyone on how to worship him. And with that, there had to be ministers. And they would be known as priests and Levites from the tribe of Levi. Aaron would be in charge of all the priests, being the brother of Moses, and it was to identify who they were in a holy outlook. So let's take a look at verse 5 here as we venture through uh, 5 to 14 on what it's going to look like. It says, And they shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine linen. And they shall make the epod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and five uh, fine woven linen, art of... Uh, artistically worked it shall have two shoulder straps joined at its two edges and so it shall be joined together and the uh, intricately woven band of the epod which is on it shall be on the same workmanship made of gold blue purple and scarlet thread and fine woven linen then you shall take the two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel six of their names on the stone and six names on the other stone in order of their birth 
which the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, and you shall set them in settings of gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. You shall also make settings of gold. You shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and and fasten the braided chains to the set things or to the settings. And so the ephod was like an apron. Uh, and it had front and back on the shoulder straps were 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, it's interesting how the stones were on the shoulders because that priestly duty was carried on the shoulders for the nation of Israel as a representation, a representation before God. And then we had the breastplate would, um, that would be attached by chains. Now, not in the form of slavery and chains, but in the form of keeping everything together. And what a blessing to be one of the tailors chosen to make these garments because God gave the abilities and he also blessed the talents. But if, if we're given talents... You know, may we make good use of them. And the best use of them is used for the glory of God. And and may we remember this passage, because many will be used in their talents and gifts throughout their travels, uh, you know, throughout some of our our talented in metal, some are in garments, others will come in the talent of music. Uh, We had Moses' sister, she led the very first worship song with a timbrel some chapters back. But the priests... The priests are appointed and anointed in the gift of connecting. And that'd be connecting people to God as they bear the names of the sons of Israel. And, and we have to remember that the shoulders that they carried on represented that of, uh, of work. When something is on our shoulders, it is regards to work. And sometimes a form of burden can also be kind of like that form of when something's on our shoulders. But it was an honorable in this case. See, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus was in, in that form because he carried the burden of the world. When he was carrying the cross on his shoulders up the hill to Calvary, he was carrying that on his shoulders. The, the weight of the world on his shoulders. But the priest, see the priest worked for the people with the people, for the people with the people in the name of God. And Christ did that and then some. And I compare the times of this in Exodus and always find it fitting to do so with Jesus because this was part of the stepping stones to the event of Christ. There's a man very dear to me uh, who we have adopted uh, one another. It's kind of like a father and son relationship over the years. And, and he's always been very consistent with the way that he, how he dresses in church. Now, things have changed a lot over the years. Fashions and materials. But standards have as well. Now, God was instructing reverence in what was worn. The priests were the ones to set uh, that in the design that God gave, but also in the obedience, so that way they were recognized in their position. You you look in verse 4, God instructed that they may minister to me as priests, and, and that cannot be forgotten. So in that, the question is, Lord, what do I do and how do I do it? Well, it, it continues as God instructs and guides. Let's take a look here at verse 15 to 30. Now, you shall make the breastplate of judgment, artistically woven of, of uh, according to the workmanship of the ephod. You shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen, and you shall make it, and it shall be doubled into a square. 
A span shall be its length, and a span shall be its width, and you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be of sardius, a topaz, and an emerald, and this shall be the first row. And the second row shall be a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row, a, jack, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. And they shall be in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. You shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold. And you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate, and put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And then you shall put the two braided chains of gold and the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the, uh, the two braided chains you shall fasten of the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the epod in the front. You shall make two rings of gold. You shall put them on two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it which is on the inner side of the epod. And two other things of gold, rings of gold, you shall make and put them in the two shoulder straps underneath the epod toward its front. Right... Uh, seam right at the seam in the, uh, above the intricately woven band of the epod, they shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the epod, using a blue cord so that it is above the intricately woven uh, band of the epod, and so that the breastplate does not come loose from the epod. So Aaron shall be, bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the, and the Thummim. And they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. So once again, we must remember that this is God speaking and putting together the design. So in the previous chapters, God was giving interior designs of the tabernacle. And as I mentioned before, God was an amazing interior designer. And now we're seeing his, that he's a fashion designer and a fashion designer with class. Because try to picture these garments if you can, right? A breastplate of judgment uh, made with gold, purple, blue. And, and these were colors representing uh, things of importance because gold was, um, gold was representing a, a form of heaven and victory. Blue represents heaven and holiness. Uh, purple was representation of royalty, scarlet and representation of crimson. And, and they're gemstones. There was gemstones on here. And how fitting for that, as the gems are representing the 12 tribes. Why? Because the, the 12 tribes were as gems in the eyes of God. But, but look at the items of, of the, the Urim and the Thummim. They, they translate light and perfection. That's what these two mean. Urim and Thummim means light and perfection. Which is exactly what God is. But the two items, the two items was one in brightness and one would be a little darker. And it was interesting on what they did in unanswered questions. They would pray to God, ask a question, and then, and then reach for a gem from the breastplate. And the brighter one pulled would be like a yes, and the darker one would be a no. And so it's funny because many people use methods uh, to get answers from the Lord because of uncertainty. Uh, some will lay what's called a fleece. And uh, it could be like, a, for instance, it could be like a white cloth. And someone would lay it somewhere and say, okay, Lord, if this is still here the next day, then I will do this. If it has blown away, then I will not. And 
this method came later from a man named Gideon in the book of Judges. But the, see, the Lord will speak to us. Maybe not, a, not, not right away, and at times he will right on the spot. And, and there is times he will give you a sign because God works in such diverse ways. Uh, I was thinking years ago, my, my parents were deciding if they should go back to their old home church because they had left, uh, they had left it. Uh, the church they were in for years, and they were attending another church, but they felt led to go back. So in prayer about it, they were, they were out somewhere, and one of them said, Lord, if you want us back, if you want us back there in our old church, could you give us a sign, a, a ringing of a bell? And then a few minutes later, as they walked outside, there was a church bell ringing in the distance. So they were convinced that the Lord had spoken to them through that bell and through that situation. So they went back and everything came, came together perfectly. But how do we deal? How do we deal with that today, here and now? Well, that's simple. Always through prayer. Through prayer and the word of God. Because there is nothing, there's nothing in there that you can't get an answer to at least, you know, within realistic standpoints. It doesn't get any better than that between prayer and the Word of God. If there is focus on God, His Word, and prayer, and focusing on His will, well, then we will have our modern-day Urim and our modern-day our modern Thummim. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the guide. The Word of God is like a map book as well as an internal look at the heart. And it's an, also a mirror to look at ourselves externally as well. Now, the breastplate of judgment is a reference to being able to make a decision. That's what the breastplate of judgment was. Now, something we do daily is we make judgment calls. But do we make it on our own accord or by the Lord's guidance? Now, I'm explaining what they did then, but making known the blessing of what we have now, because God is always good. He was good then, and he's good now. He works with us through the times, but still, I still find it fascinating of what and why and how God did what he did back then. And with that, there's more of that in verse 31 and 35. Take a look with me. And then he says, you shall make the uh, robe of the ephod all blue. There shall be an opening for his he uh, head in the middle of it, and it shall have a woven binding all around its opening, like the opening of a coat of, a, uh, of mail. And so that it does not tear. And upon it, its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem. And bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers and it sounds and its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he may not die. You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet. So in the design of the priest's garments, um, we see some different and special addings on them as the pomegranates, the bells, and again, the special colors of blue, gold, and purple that all represent things of heavenly nature. But the pomegranates are added. And the representation of that was in the form of fruitfulness. Now, why the pomegranate versus any other fruit is noticeable. Why? Because I, I have experience with pomegranates and, and their trees. And they're, they're dur durable fruits in the winter. See, they look like they're dead, but they always come right back as, as soon as spring hits. 
But more so, no other fruit. It's interesting because no other fruit out there has the amount of seeds that a pomegranate does. If you ever had one before, it's just covered in seeds. And when we use the term of producing, we do so by that of seed. And this fruit has the most, but also from my own experience over a period of years, uh, I also like to drink a couple of ounces of pomegranate juice a day because it is also the highest antioxidant on the market. It actually, it does wonders for one's health and well-being. So we can see why God said to use this as a representation of the fruit to be on the garments of the priest's robe. Now, bells on the garments, I don't know uh, how they dealt with it. You know, that would be hard to have on your presence all the time. But you see, but what it did was it indicated the whereabouts of the priest, the ability of tracking their movements. You know, for some years in church traditions, they would have uh, they'd have a bell on the tower of the building, and someone de- uh, delegated to, to ring the bell at a certain time of the day would would do that to let people know that church was about to begin. In some cases, it was done as a reminder to pray right then. But but again, this was the identity of who the priest was. You know, okay, was later other other forms of duties and leadership would be established. And they will have their garments. But this was special so that they knew who they were and at times where they were. Because God is always moving with us. And though there may not be bells, he he gives us the ability to hear him when our ears are open to him. And, And even though we may be identified by our garments, God wants us to be recognized by our presence. Because many people wear, wear shirts that represent God as they profess that they believe in Him, but what is neat is when someone can identify you by a light in your presence. I'll never forget my older son when he was little. Uh, he, he was playing in a hotel pool. And there was these two kids starting to play catch by him, and he, he was sitting on the steps and he was watching them. And all of a sudden... I felt that I, for whatever reason, I wanted these kids to play with him. And so I, I silently prayed, and I opened my eyes, and next thing you know, there he was, playing catch with them. They invited him to play. And then a few minutes later, my son was sharing his pizza with them, and I thought, God is so good, right? And I later, I later on walked over by the other kid's family, and, uh, you know, their father and uncle greeted me and uh, the uncle told me that, uh, you know, I asked your son, he says, I asked your son when I was watching him and I said, you know the Lord, don't you? And my son said, yes, I do. And he says, like, my dad's a pastor. I said, oh, forget about me. You know, um, he was observing you. But through those kids and through prayer, a divine moment of love and friendship came that I'll always remember. I'll always remember that and thought, I thought how, how precious that was, you know, and how God worked that out. And, and so presence is always, is always the key. We could always see, we could always see the light in someone's demeanor. We don't always have to wear clothing with, with scripture on it, although it helps to identify certain things, but it's, it's more special when people can just kind of watch you and say, you know, there's something about that person. I think they know the Lord. And, and, and that is, a, that is a, uh, a glow-in-the-dark presence that only one can have filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so let's continue here. Let's look at verse 36, um, or 37, to uh, 43. 
Now we have holiness to the Lord. And it says, And you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. So it shall be on Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hollow in their holy gifts. And it shall always be on this forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall skillfully weave the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen and you shall make the, the sash of woven work. For Aaron's sons, you shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them, for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall make for them linen trousers to cover their nakedness, and they shall reach from the waist to the thighs." They shall be on Aaron and his sons when they come into the tabernacle of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister the holy place. That they do not incur iniquity and die. It shall be statute forever to him and its descendants after him. Now the sons of Aaron will be wearing different garments with a plate on the forehead inscripted holiness to the Lord. That they may be accepted before the Lord. Now, holiness, again, means set apart. doesn't mean better than others, but simply set apart in what we do and who we are. Because holiness is not just in what we do, but it is supposed to be who we are. Not what we do, who we are. Because many people do great things for the eyes of the public. They do, they do great things to feel good about themselves or to even make a name for themselves. But true holiness is in who we are, being set apart by choosing God and loving, serving, and desiring Him. And, and then God will do the three things that, that said to Moses of what He shall do, and that is to anoint, consecrate, and sanctify. In, in ministry... In ministry, there is three things that are important to remember. And that is to know that you were first called, or that you were first called, you know, for the task. And then second, to know your gifts that God has given to you. And last, and more importantly, that you've been anointed. But in these three things, some will say, what does that mean, anointing, right? The anointing is the pouring of the oil upon one's head with a filling of power, healing and joy from the Holy Spirit. To consecrate means to fill an empty hand or to equip. And then to sanctify means to make clean and then to wash clean in a spiritual aspect. So those were the three meanings of those words. See, we can dress with holy garments, we could even preach with with passion, but without personal holiness with God, then how can we accomplish anything? Now, dressing in a matter of holiness for God is one thing people do. People do it with reverence. And if we're to, to meet someone of importance, say like a president perhaps, or a king or a queen of a nation, we can guarantee that they're gonna they're gonna dress their best. So for those who dress for holiness, may God bless them for their reverence to God. But, as always, he looks for the interior of the spirit first. Because we can wear priestly garments and, and be defiled by our mind and our heart. But God knows all things at all times, right? When in heaven, when in heaven there will be new garments for all who make it. And that is what God wants is for us to make it, to be with him in his presence, with one another and all. 
you know, all will be dressed for holiness with pure white garments and a new body, might I add. <laughs> One that will never grow old or see sickness, pain, or death ever again. And that is the goal. You know, have you ever been suffering? Have you been suffering some pains or ailments of some kind? Well, if so, we pray for healing. But remember, that eventually will, will be no more for eternity in heaven. Well, if that is what we want, if we want to be with God one day, then there is a way. And that way is by receiving His Son Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the continual blessings is what He does for us while here on earth. See, when we walk closely with Him and His statutes, we like to say that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But I also realize that God is right all the time, and all the time God is right. <laughs> and to have Him as a Father is an amazing feeling. You probably have always believed in Him, and that's great. But now it's time to receive Him, and to walk with Him, because our time here is short. But He is eternal. God is eternal. And, and our time will be eternal as well. But the question is always is, is that, well, where do we want to spend our eternity? Well, he gives us the choice. We get to move wherever we want here on earth. We want to live somewhere, well, we could go. But we only have two choices of eternities to go to. And there's a good one and a bad one. Or should I say a terrific one beyond measures and a horrible one beyond measures. Which one do you want to go? <laughs> well, if you want to go with God, the opportunity can be right now. And that opportunity is simple by, by receiving Him in prayer, receiving Him as your Father, as your Lord and your Savior. And then continuing to walk with Him in His statutes, to continue to walk with Him in love and in truth. Because God is our Father, He created us, and He has a place for us. But he also gives us a choice too, to either to either receive him or to deny him if we want. He never forces anyone to to uh, to take him. God never forces himself on anyone either. But he wants everyone, and he wants us to want him in truth and in love, just as he does with us. So I want to give that opportunity to receive him in those ways, in truth and in love. And if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, that you want to receive Him right now, because tomorrow is never guaranteed, I suggest that if the Lord has spoken to you, let's receive Him right now together, as, as we say a simple prayer of receiving Christ. And so go ahead and repeat after me, dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess, Lord, that I am a sinner and I plead with you, Lord, to receive me now, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to wash me clean of all my sins and all my wrong. And Lord, that you will receive me when my time comes, Lord. As I receive you now as my Father and my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying for me, Lord. And I praise you for having me, Lord. Father, I love you and I receive you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, 
as always, you know, the pleasure. The pleasure is always mine. And, and God wants to continue to have that relationship with you. He, he wants to walk with you on a daily basis. And, and so... I will tell you that throughout this life, you know, there's going to be some challenges and there's going to be some, you know, good times, bad times. But, you know, the Lord's always with us. We're going to have good and bad times without Him. But why not have Him make it better all the time, right? <laughs> we have an advocate. We have a Father, a Lord, a Savior. What more could we want? So let's continue to go through His Word together. Because this isn't just a book. This is the vast, the most vast library ever known to man. It will change your life. And it will help you grow. And He will help you grow now that He's in you. So God bless you and your families. And may you continue to walk with Him in truth and in love. God bless you.